Welcome back to Dancing Dog Blog. I'm your host, Mary Haight. We're here today with Mark Ulrichson, artist and author. And if you've been a fan of The New Yorker for any length of time, you may have noticed his over 40 magazine covers and 200 illustrations there, along with others at The Atlantic Monthly, Washington Post, GQ, O, and Buck Magazines. Mark also has done celebrity portraits in Rolling Stone and worked for Time, Newsweek, Worth, and other notable magazines. His illustrations are regularly featured on book jackets, in art galleries, and in private collections. He's won multiple gold and silver medals from the Society of Illustrators, and some of his work is in the permanent collections of the Smithsonian and in the Library of Congress. He's here to talk about his new book, Dogs Rule Nonchalantly, and give us some insights to the highly successful Kickstarter campaign that fueled his first solo publishing effort. He's been a dog person all his life. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Mary. So uh, we start with a little history. You worked as a publication designer for 13 years and then eight years as the art director for KQED San Francisco Focus magazine. Uh, what inspired your move out of that career and into something like becoming a self-employed illustrator? And how did dogs get into the picture? Well, um, I think... I, there's a number of things that made me leave from the world of graphic design and then uh, magazine art direction, uh, primarily becoming the art director of the magazine. Because when I was the associate art director for for five years, uh, I loved the job. It was fantastic. And if there was a problem, I could point down to the hallway to the boss, <laughs> the art director, and say, talk to him. Right. And when he left, it was like, okay, do I try to become the art director or do I work for a new boss? And so... I applied, and, and you got to be careful what you wish for. I became the art director of the magazine, and once you're the art director, creativity kind of goes out the door, and you're an administrator and a manager and all the things that I'm, I'm not really fond of being. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those people who liked to draw uh, as a kid but never took it seriously or thought I could ever make a living at it. And when I was in college and found graphic design, I thought, oh, great, I found my calling. So I still used to draw and paint on the weekends and on the side, and, and I got to a point where I was getting really good at the drawing and illustrating thing while I was also working as an art director. And I had one week where I got calls from GQ, Rolling Stone, and Esquire, and I thought, wow, maybe I can make a living at this. And so I quit at the age of 37 and said, okay, now I'm going to be a freelance illustrator. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as dogs go, I'm, you know, they always talk about, uh, in any kind of creative endeavor, you know, uh, write or draw what you know. And one thing I do know is dogs. I grew up with them. I loved them. Uh, it wasn't until I was uh, probably 33 before my wife and I were able to have a dog because we rented a place and the landlord finally acquiesced. And so I had a dog around me all the time once I was on my own. And so they became subjects of mine because, you know, just one of those things I love. And then what, what circumstances led up to you thinking you'd write a book about dogs? Well, I think the genesis for a book about dogs happened in 2006 when I was approached by a publisher named Gibbs Smith. And he's out of Utah, and he had a lunch with me, and he said, um, you know, there's tons of books in the marketplace with photos of dogs, but there's not many with paintings of dogs. So why don't you gather up all your dog paintings? And at that time, I probably had maybe 40 of them. And he said, why don't you just come up with some kind of text and have a book? And thankfully, I, it never went anywhere because if, if this was a book merely with captions or something, I don't think anybody would really like it. And mm -hmm. so two things 
came about. One was uh, with the passage of time, I had a lot more dog paintings. And the other is I had a project in 2011 from a curator in Israel who was doing something called the Plain Notebook Project. And he contacted hundreds of artists all over the world, and he sent them these really cheap notebooks that Israeli school children use. And he said, why don't you do whatever you want with this, you artists. Um, we want to show students that creativity can come from anywhere, and it, and it can be on even the cheapest paper possible. So I figured, okay, well, no one really knows me in Israel. Why don't I just write about my life? And so I just started doing drawings and writings about my life here in San Francisco, my kids, our dog, what we do on the weekends. And then I also started thinking about the things that I often tell college students about my own particular journey in my career. And that was met with a lot of positive response because I shared it online. And I have this old college roommate, Tom Walker. And Tom went, we both studied graphic design at Chico State in California. And he went on to be, to live in New York for 30 years, and he was the art director of the Day in the Life books, if you may remember those, A Day in the Life of Hawaii, The Day in the Life of the Soviet <laughs> Union, Day in the Life of Japan. And he's always been involved with books, and he's, he's more of a producer type now, producing book projects. And he said, you know, when you wrote that, that Israeli notebook, you have a voice, you know, and, and why don't you combine that voice with, say, your dog paintings? And then maybe we can go on and do another book with your baseball paintings or jazz paintings, because those are also subjects I tend to paint a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I had always wanted to collect my work into in, a book. And Tom's impetus to, to think about it as um, this, similar to this Israeli project where I wrote heartfeltly about my own experience with my own dogs and my just in, impressions of dogs in general. And that led to this book. And, um, and he had the idea and I, and I think we've achieved it. He said, you got to write a book that, that can be read without any pictures and it would still be a good book. Uh, because, you know, I'm a visual person and so everything I do is, is not about the words. It's about the pictures. Right. Right. So if we could do a book that read on the radio, say, <laughs> and it read well, then once you add the pictures, then maybe it will be a sustaining book. And so that's the goal, and hopefully we achieved it. Um, so um, an author's work is never done. Uh, what were some of the obstacles you saw to getting your book not just on the market, but selling in quantity over time? And how did Kickstarter become part of your business plan? Did you hire a company with a crowdfunding history? I mean, $46,000 is almost double what your goal was. That's a great success story. Well, um, you're right about the art. An author's work is never done because I'm learning that as we speak. Um, and I guess the the first obstacle was finding a publisher. Um, I have a book agent who used to be my editor when I worked at Focus Magazine, but she's a successful book agent now, Amy Rennert. Mm -hmm. And she, she helped shop the book around, as did Tom, because he has a lot of connections in the book world. And uh, there were about four publishers that were interested in the book. And finally, one by one, they kind of dropped away or just there was too much inertia in big publishing houses. And so we worked with Goff Books, which is actually a new imprint from a company called Oro Editions. They typically do uh, tabletop art books about architecture. And they're branching out with this new imprint to do more contemporary and kind of lighter, fun art books. And so working with Goth, we already had a publisher, but I've done two children's books for Henry Holt, and I've done a book for Running Press for adolescents about 
uh, Urban Legends. And those books come out and the, they're like one of a number of books that a publisher comes out with maybe twice a year and they just don't get the attention that they need. And so the thought with Kickstarter was, you know, if we go out on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or some site like that, maybe we can, A, generate some early interest in the book and B, most importantly, get some capital that we would then use to hire public relations people to help promote the book. Because just relying on a publisher alone these days with such a saturated marketplace and everybody getting bombarded with information right and left, we felt we needed that extra push. And fortunately, we did find a, uh, through word of mouth and, and some um, recommendations, this great company called FSB Associates. And they're a, a social media PR firm in New Jersey. Now, you, you talked about the Kickstarter being a big success at, at raising $46,000. And while I would agree, I would also say that once you subtract what <laughs> Kickstarter takes, what Amazon takes, what the costs are for the goods that we're giving people for their pledges, mm-hmm. we ended up with $14,000 as the capital that we had to oh, work with. Oh, wow. So we're actually, we're not getting, we didn't get paid. Tom, my wife, Leslie, and I worked on the campaign probably for two months prior to it, spent about a month on the campaign because it was in May. And now it's just, as the book's going to come out this month, I'm going to have 43 dog drawings to do in books, and I'm going to have to sign a bunch of books and do a half a dozen dog paintings. Not that I'm complaining, that's part of the job, and I really enjoy doing it, but it's just ongoing, and I'm not really going to get paid for nor will Tom or Leslie, any of our time that we put in to get to this point. So, yeah, it's a lot of work. It is, and it's a constant for the next two years. Well, hopefully the book will last because, um, fortunately, it's not tied to any kind of season, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, dogs are are eternal and our love for them are the same. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's the kind of book that will have a shelf life. And, you know, we made it nice and small and gifty kind of size, so... You know, somebody wants to give it as a, a gift to their dog lovers or art loving friends. You know, mm-hmm. that'd be great. Well, given this experience in social media crowdfunding, what advice would you give fellow authors? How long a social media marketing campaign should they plan on funding? And how long should they plan on going without getting funding for themselves? Well, that's the thing is you're, um, you know, I'm a self-employed artist now for 20 something years and there's so many things I do that I don't get paid for. You know, you, yeah. you get a job and there's a budget and yeah, you got that money, but there's all the other elements of, of doing this. So as an author or as an artist, you're having to be the marketer and the advertising agency and the legal department and the shipping and the packaging and all the other ancillary responsibilities that come with it. So with me, with uh, if I could give any advice, it would be, as others have told us, and maybe we didn't follow suit with, you're going to have to give out gifts to people. Make sure that those gifts are you know, stuff that people want and they're not going to cost you too much to create. Mm-hmm. Um, so be aware of that. Also, in in doing research on Kickstarter, we saw some campaigns where people have done multiple Kickstarter campaigns, especially with books, and maybe they did only okay with the first book, uh, and then they do a second or third book on Kickstarter, and boom, they really score big. So maybe it's just being part of the Kickstarter uh, audience. I'd say one of the yeah. biggest disappointments with Kickstarter is that um, of the money that we'd raise, I'd say over 90% of it came from... Me writing emails to people I know. 
to any client I've ever worked with, anybody who ever requested a, a quote on a portrait, uh, mm-hmm. anybody, any art director or art buyer I've ever worked with. So it didn't spread so much among the people who frequent Kickstarter as much as it was me kind of hassling people like, hey, check out our campaign. <laughs> and believe me, that's that's the last thing I want to do. Uh, I, hate selling, everybody hates I hate selling myself. Yeah. So that was a tough one. So you have to be aware of that. And also you got to kind of keep updating people because one thing that Kickstarter is wonderful about is you create a kind of community of people who are who kind of rooting for your success. They have a part in it and, mm-hmm. and you need to keep them abreast of what's going on. And, and that's where I've been a little lax in letting people know, hey, here's what's going on right now. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to have an open dialogue, an ongoing dialogue with the people who were good enough to support you. So count on it being a full-time job for uh, a, a considerable amount of time prior to your campaign. And they recommend that a campaign be four weeks. And, and I agree. It kind of gives people uh, an impetus to uh, to hustle and, and follow through because you get these emails and you go, oh, yeah, I'll deal with that. And then, you know, you forget. Mm-hmm. So plan on working a, a lot on it. But now that my book is starting to get, uh, you know, in front of people like you, Mary, it's um, it's probably because of the efforts of the PR people that we hire Thanks to Kickstarter. Yeah, they're important people. Mm-hmm. And so really, I guess the the moral of the story is um, develop your network. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't burn bridges um, mm-hmm. and hope that your computer doesn't crash and you lose a lot of email. Oh, so, so dogs rule nonchalantly. Uh, where did your title come from? Uh, you know, I, I was I'm kind of trying to remember myself. Uh this book had, you know, a bunch of you know, placeholder titles, the dogs of my life or my favorite dogs or really, mm-hmm. you know, inane titles like that. And mm-hmm. um, I think it was just part of the process of trying to put this book together that um, that it just kind of came to me, you know, because what I did in the process, and, and I guess we'll talk about that, is now, you know, when the time came to start working on this book and we started working on this in January of 2013, um, I, the publisher printed out like a hundred and something paintings of mine that I've done of dogs. I sent everything to him. He printed them out. I laid them all out on the table and started writing, you know, thoughts on the back of each painting and then try or print and then try to rearrange them into some sort of order of a book. And then Tom rightly pointed out, you know, you're writing captions, Mark. You don't need to write captions. People can see what they're seeing. You need to write uh, impressions and and link them to the art and there was one painting of a dog that i had done for the atlantic monthly uh an article about how dogs actually are smarter than people because they get everything they want and they just do it by loving us and we provide everything that they need hopefully and i just thought yeah dogs rule but they do it in a kind of nonchalant way and so that became the title of the book that's great um could you explain a bit about your writing process since this is a different kind of book? Um, did you choose the artwork you were going to use first or did you have an idea of what you were going to write? Well, that ties into what I was just saying. So yeah, um, the the artwork came first and then it was a case of, and then again, Tom directed me. He said, why don't we go back and forth between the personal and the general? Because Everybody can relate to these things, and but it's also more interesting to get to know the author, um, especially mm-hmm. if I hope to go on and do other books about other subjects I love, so that you know my voice can be part of it. And so I alternated between thinking, okay, what happened in my youth or in life growing up with a dog, 
uh, or with various dogs. And then what are my own observations about dogs? So when I would take our dog Henry for a walk nowadays, I would just walk around and think, okay, what's he doing? You know, oh, he's looking for any kind of edge he can get. And by that, I mean any kind of edge he can pee on when we're out in the public. You know, they pee on edges of things. Um, so it was just observing dogs. And then it was kind of trying to figure out, okay, how can we group these things together so it feels like a story with a beginning, a middle, and the end. And so Tom said, you know, when you start off, you have a puppy. And, and what's that all about? And then eventually, if nature takes its correct course, you're going to outlive your dog. And what's that all about? And so that was the route we took. And, and the idea was to hopefully make people laugh, but also, you know, be open to the emotional um, prospects of owning a dog or owning any pet. Uh, and, you know, I'm, a, I'm an emotional person. I cry over a good steak. You know, I just, you know, I I wanted to have me come out. And, and frankly, we were fortunate that like one of the publishers, Chronicle Books, didn't want to have any use of the word I in the publication. They said, you know, take out anything about you in it. It should just be general. And I'm really glad that we didn't go that route. I like wow. having it be more personal. But the the process was kind of, you know, organizing, you know, sections, you know, what's it like to get a dog? What are some of my general observations about dogs? And it was all predicated on utilizing these existing hundred some paintings I have, which then got edited down to about 60 something paintings. I had to do about five new paintings to kind of fill in the blanks. It's like, oh, I need to say this, but I don't have a visual for it. Maybe I better paint a visual. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the process. And then Tom also pointed out rightly that you know, anytime we subtract stuff from the book, it just makes the book better. So, you know, there was, you know, 16 pages at one point. We just, oops, got to take take these out. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's not enough room for them. So by editing and editing and editing, you hopefully get a better product. Did, did you plan your writing so that your two chocolate labs would uh, take up a greater share of the book's real estate than the other dogs? Or did that come as a surprise? Uh, no, that was the idea is to incorporate you know, the personal with the general and, and Ted and oh, Henry, sorry. Ted was our first dog that my wife Leslie and I had once we were adults. So we talked about that process and, and Ted set a real high bar. He was like the perfect dog. And, and I think it, it came in part because we didn't have any kids yet. So he was our first child and we took him to puppy class and we took him to the park every day and got to know the neighbors and, you know, you meet the neighbor's dog and you know the dog's names before you know the owner's name. Oh, you're Sadie's parents, you know, or whatever. So I want it to be about our own dogs. And uh, Henry, uh, he he's an, also a chocolate lab like Ted was, but uh, Henry and Ted are very different. And that was also became a part of the story because Ted, perfect dog. Henry, mm, a little bit of a bonehead. Uh, and Henry is going to be 12 in a month. And so he's kind of slowing down and we call him Uncle Joe. If you ever watch Petticoat Junction, you know, Uncle Joe's moving kind of slow. Um, he's getting older. And that's, you know, that's that's part of the story. Uh, you were talking about the publisher uh, before and uh, what a great product they put out and there's really so much to like about this book because of that it's you know it's a tactile and visual pleasure uh, and the stories of your six dogs describe moments that we all recognize would you share with listeners uh one of your favorite passages from the book sure okay um, yep. of course dogs need lots of exercise and some can use a little therapy too a typical dog 12-step program one wake up stretch Two, eat meal in three seconds. Three, go outside, pee, walk, poop, walk, pee, smell everything. Four, go inside, follow humans' every movement, check all floors for microscopic food particles. Five, nap, 
and six, repeat steps one through six. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's well, like I said, we tried to make the book, um, and I say we because Tom has such a big hand in, in producing okay. and kind of directing me. So sometimes some of these like little passages, it might be six or eight pages, and then it kind of comes to a conclusion. So I, I start off the book by just talking about, you know, I, I love dogs and, and had them as a kid, uh, and we've had cats, but they're a little more aloof. But But dogs are different. They give you their undivided attention. They watch your every gesture, read your every emotion, listen attentively to every word you say until they hear the rustle of a bag of chips being open. And, you know, if I were to say anything about my own personal dogs, I did I did talk about those six dogs growing up. And I'll just read you this page. Uh, of course, I've been happy with all of my dogs, some more than others. Saber number one was happiest duck hunting. Henry prefers digging up gopher holes. Doog had only two personality traits overjoyed as when she was licking between your toes and depressed when she wasn't. Clea loved to escape from our backyard and visit me at school. Ted was a perfect dog, smart, friendly, and obedient. Bernie was a tad too excitable, so thrilled at mealtime that he'd pee in his food. Bernie wasn't with us very long. So those were the dogs I grew up. Dogs Rule Nonchalantly is available on pre-order at Amazon. What's your web address? www.markulrichsen.com. Not an easy name to spell or pronounce, but it's a mark with a K, and Ulrichsen is U-L-R-I-K-S-E-N. Okay, and your Facebook page address is the same, your name? Yes, Mark Ulrichsen. I think I have... Uh, we have a dog's rule project page, um, we, and I have, I think, a fan page, and then just my regular old page. So, you know, okay. I, it's open to the public. Well, thanks so much for giving us this insight, Mark, and for spending time with us today. All the best of luck with your launch and social media campaign. And to the audience, thanks for listening. Thank you, Mary.